I'd like to begin with a quote from a book called Power Through Prayer, which says we are constantly on a stretch to devise new methods, new plans, new organizations to advance the church. But men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. And God said the same thing a long time ago in the book of Ezekiel. So please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you. Why don't you look at Ezekiel 22, verse 30. I, God, look in vain for anyone who would build again the wall of righteousness that guards the land, who could stand in the gap. But I have, I found not one. This verse says in your notes that God is looking for people. God is looking for people to use. God is looking for leaders. We said last week that nothing happens until somebody provides leadership. While we are looking too often for better machinery, for better methods, God is simply looking for better people that he can use. Now in campaigns for political office, candidates are often questioned about their private life. And the typical response when asked about their private life is what? It's none of your business. My private life in no way affects my ability to govern. But nothing could be further from the truth. God actually says the exact opposite. Look at the leader's law that we have printed for you in your notes. The effectiveness of my public leadership is determined by my private life. So today we want to look at the heart and the soul of Nehemiah to see what Nehemiah was a man of prayer. Nine different times in his book, he, re- he prays. You can learn a lot about by listening to their prayers. We're going to get an inside look at this man, Nehemiah, and see his private life, what it's like. We want to look at three points about prayer, about Nehemiah's prayer. Three questions. When should I pray? Why should I pray? And how should I pray? So in your notes, number one, When? When should I pray? And what's the answer to that question? When? Are you ready for the answer? In your notes. I should pray before I do anything. I should pray before I do anything else. We heard last week that Nehemiah's brother came back from Jerusalem, told him about the bad conditions there. And the first thing he did was pray. Look at Nehemiah 1 verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Notice how long he prayed. Circle that phrase, for some days. We know that some days was actually four months. Now a leader does a whole lot more than pray. But another leader's law is printed in your notes. A leader does more than pray, but he does not do anything until he prays. That's the starting point. He doesn't do anything until he prays. In the Bible, leaders make prayer the first priority. Losers make prayer a last resort. Today our society is filled with people who are always on the go, who have trouble, who have trouble slowing down, people prone to heart attacks, always eager, want to get the job done, achievement-oriented, goal-focused. 
We want to get going. We're very busy people. In fact, how many of you find yourselves pretty busy? Almost too busy to pray. You find yourself that busy? My majority of us have. Yet Nehemiah says that before we do anything else, we must make time for prayer. Nehemiah was himself a man of real action. He was an organizer. He was a motivator. He was a manager. And he built the wall around the city in 52 days. Yet when he heard that something was wrong, the first thing he did was get alone with God, spend time with God. He didn't form a committee. He simply prayed. Number two in your notes. The second question is why? Why should I pray? Let me share two reasons why. Number one in your notes, it shows that I'm depending on God. It actually shows that I'm depending on God. Have you noticed the reason why we usually don't pray? Why we don't pray more? I believe that the reason that we don't pray more in your notes. We don't pray because we don't think we need it. That's the answer. We think that we just don't need prayer. We think that we can handle things by ourselves. When you and I have a problem, the human reaction, the natural reaction is to think, well, what am I going to do about this? Instead of thinking, now God, what do you want me to do about this? So look at John 15, verse 5, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Note the next words. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. That's the only way we bear real fruit for God's kingdom, for God's vineyard. My usefulness as a leader for God, your usefulness as a leader in the church, begins when you and I are in total dependence on God. The way I know that I'm depending on God is that when a problem comes, the first thing I do is get alone with God. I pray. The second reason that I should pray in your notes, it lightens my load. Prayer actually lightens my load. Nehemiah prayed when he heard about the burden of the Jews in Jerusalem. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So in your notes, the name Nehemiah, the name Nehemiah actually means the Lord is my comfort. When Nehemiah's heart was burdened over the things that were going wrong in Jerusalem, he prayed. He was comforted by God. See, leaders will have stress, but great leaders in your notes find their strength on their knees. Leaders will find their strength on their knees. Why should I pray? It shows, number one, I'm depending on God. Number two, prayer lightens my load. In your notes, number three, is the question I really want to look at. How should I pray? In Nehemiah 1, verses 4 to 10, we have a sample of a leader's prayer. You can learn a lot about a person. A selfish prayer indicates a self-centered spirit. See, some prayers are actually like Christmas lists. Dear God, I want four French hens, three calling doves. Two turtle doves and a partridge, pear tree. Their prayers are simply a selfish list. Nehemiah's prayer, if you remember, it lasted four months. So this is just a sample part of the prayer, a pattern for successful praying. 
in your notes a key question. A key question to ask myself when I'm praying is give the reason. Give the reason why God should answer my prayer. Give the reason why. Whenever people in the Bible ask God to do something, they always presented a basis for it. God, I want you to do this because. They had a reason based upon the circumstances. So you need to ask yourself that question when you pray. Why should I ask God to answer this prayer? The Bible teaches to give the reason. Give God a reason. Don't just say, God, I want this or I want that. So we want to look at three secrets of Nehemiah to his answered prayer. On the back of your notes, number one, Nehemiah first had a conviction of God's character. He based his request upon God's character. That is really the greatest reason to pray. We pray because of who God is. I expect an answer because God said, you are faithful. I expect an answer because you are a great God or you are a loving God or you can handle this because you're almighty. Nehemiah comes to God saying, look at Nehemiah 1 verse 5 and 6. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive, your eyes open, to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. See, Nehemiah says three things there about God and God's character. And you notice number one, God, you are great. God, you are great. That's God's position. He is great. Number two, God, you are awesome. God, you are awesome. Teenagers thought that was a modern word. God is awesome. It was used by Nehemiah. And then number three, Nehemiah says, God, you keep your promises. You have a covenant with your people and you keep your promises. So the first step is to acknowledge who God is. Nehemiah says, God, I know that the problem in Jerusalem is great, but you, God, are greater. Number two in your notes, the second secret, to answer prayer for Nehemiah. After he praised God for who he was, he says, confession of my sin. He confessed his sins in his life. Step number one, conviction of God's character. Step number two, a confession of my sins. The Jews had disobeyed God. Therefore, God had fulfilled his promise that if they disobeyed him, they would lose the land of Israel. And they lost the land, the city of Jerusalem, and the temple. Many of the prophets' books in the Bible are about that same thing. In Nehemiah 1, 6 and 7, Nehemiah says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, the decrees, the laws that you gave your servant Moses. The second thing Nehemiah does, he confesses his sin. So the first thing was to recognize who God is. The second thing was to recognize who he was, a sinner. Notice how frequently Nehemiah uses the word we, my father's house. See, Nehemiah wasn't even born when the Jews went into captivity. Yet Nehemiah includes himself in the confession, confessing national sins. I'm part of the problem, he says. There's both personal confession and there's a national confession. You know, in America, we today are very individualistic. We talk about my sins. When is the last time you confessed the sins of your nation as part of your sin? 
or the sins of your family as your sin or the sins of your friends. We don't want to think that way. Society says I take care of myself, my thing. I'm responsible only for me. That is biblically not true. You are your brother's keeper. We all are in this together. A phrase I often hear today is, I have to do what is best for me. All kinds of selfish sin is justified with that little phrase. I have to do what is best for me. And it doesn't matter I'm leaving my wife, my kids, my husband. I have to do what is best for me. Wrong. Nehemiah is accepting the blame for everything. I printed another leader's law in your notes. Leaders, leaders will accept the blame. Losers will pass the buck. Leaders accept the blame and confesses it. Losers pass the buck. If you want to be a leader in your family, in your home, in your church, then you accept the blame. Losers are the accusers and the excusers. It's never their fault. Note that Nehemiah confesses his sin and the nation's sin also against God. Nehemiah, in your notes, confessed both private sin and also public sin. So Nehemiah had a conviction of God's character. He confessed his sin. In your notes, number three, the third secret to Nehemiah's answered prayer is a commitment to specific things. A commitment to specific things. In order to receive specific answers, you need to have specific requests in your prayer. If you make a general prayer like God bless America, how are you going to know that it has blessed? Nehemiah gets very specific. Look at Nehemiah 1 verse 10. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and mighty hand. And then in verse 11, Nehemiah prays, give your servant success by granting favor when I go before this man. See, when Nehemiah goes before the king, his whole prayer asks for success. Nehemiah was available. He was available to go to Jerusalem. He, Nehemiah was willing to go, but he would not, he'd have to get the king's permission. And the king would not ordinarily let his number two right-hand man just walk away. And Nehemiah was asking, too, for the king's permission. The king's permission to rebuild the walls that this king had ordered to be torn down. And that's why he was praying, praying for success. He was very bold. Have you ever prayed, Lord, make me successful? Or why not? In your notes, William Carey, the missionary, he would often say, expect, in your notes, expect great things from God, then you attempt great things for God. Certainly, Carey did not pray, Lord, make me a failure. The key was to praying success. In your notes, always praying for success to, go, to God's glory. Make me successful to God's glory. Pray boldly that God will make you successful. In your notes, if I, can ask, if I cannot ask God to bless what I'm doing, then I'd better start in your notes. What? I'd better start doing something else. Nehemiah, he was building the walls around Jerusalem to the glory of God. And he prayed to God that he would be blessed with successfulness. In conclusion, we summarize Nehemiah's four months of praying. His prayers are a sampling for, sample for us. Number one, God answers a prayer of conviction. God answers prayers of conviction that is acknowledging who God is. A conviction bragging about God, your God. Number two, God answers a prayer of confession. 
confession of what I am. I have sinned and I have blown it. And number three, God answers a prayer of commitment. I'm willing to be part of the answer. A prayer of commitment is a prayer that will get answered. Jesus, he walked, talked about the Heavenly Father. Jesus willingly went to the cross to identify with sinful man, to carry our sin upon himself. And Jesus knew that on the third day, God promised his resurrection. So Jesus was willing to do something about our sin and the power of death in our lives. And in the sacrament of Holy Communion, we are forgiven for our shortcomings. We are forgiven for even our prayer life. And we are given renewed strength to become a people, a congregation of prayer. Amen.